0: Welcome everyone to the Baseball America College podcast, sponsored by ATEC, the Baseball Training Machine Company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATechSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practices more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt Head Coach Tim Corbett and more on ATEchsports.com, ATEC When Every Practice. I'm John Manuel, he's Aaron Fit. Let's dive right into it, Aaron. This is the I think our second most anticipated podcast of the year we break down all 16 regionals, we break down the field of 64, make some picks, making it so. Are you ready to go from the West Coast?
1: I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: I'm all fueled up on Q Shack, so let's let's make it happen, Aaron. Let's start with the Gainesville Regional. Uh, number one seed, national number one seed, Florida, along with second seed, Georgia Tech, third seed, College of Charleston, and fourth seed, Bethune-Cookman. And first off, Aaron, let's start with the Gators. The Gators... Kind of are who we thought they were, but not really. I mean, this really this team has been. I'd say, I, I think it's fair to say they had the best resume, best combination. I should say of resume and talent. Yeah, but yeah. they're not as good. They're not the juggernaut we thought they were. There's not a lot of separation between Florida and everyone else. And when they were 20 and one, we thought there was quite a bit of separation.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, but you know. I think you have to cut them a little bit of slack because um, of of injuries. I mean, you know, obviously they had the pitching situation midway through the year. Uh, It took, it's taken Carson Woodson all year long, really, to um, to return to form, and I don't think he's even gotten there yet. You know, he's not. He hasn't. He's still. I mean, but you know what? They're they're good enough that they don't they don't need him to. Frankly, they don't even need him to win the national championship. I mean, you put you put Jonathan Crawford in there as your number three, and, and you're fine. You got your three guys. You got your ridiculous bullpen and you're good to go i mean it's uh it's a ridiculous luxury to have that but um you know they I, I i still think this team is you know they've built this whole season around being ready for the postseason um you know the they didn't care about the the doldrums in the middle of the season they didn't you know kevin o'sullivan was never worried about his team i mean he knew what he had um and here they are and and they're entering the, the postseason as the favorite you know just like they were supposed to be and um you know i think there's uh there's every reason to believe that this team, uh, you know, is poised to make another deep postseason run.
0: It is really amazing when you think about it. There are reasons for this, as you said, going over there, pitching injuries and working Whitson back in, missing four weeks of Hudson Randall. They lost um,
1: Tyler Thompson for the year. You know, who's a he's an important player for them. And, absolutely, uh, they
0: lost Tobias for part of the year. They they they, uh, they had like three position players go down and a couple two thirds of their weekend rotation. Most teams are not deep enough to withstand that. I, I think you're right. I think it's important to point that out. That said, we knocked, I think justifiably so, Kentucky when they didn't get a regional host, uh, and they got sent as the number two. They started off 22 and 0, 23 and 0. What was it? Something like that. And they finished twenty three and sixteen. Well, you know, South i mean, Florida well, they won that series at South Carolina and they won the next game out of that against Florida State in Jacksonville. So they headed into Ole Miss on March thirtieth. They were twenty three and two. They're nineteen and sixteen since then, Aaron. Yeah. That that's stunning to me that they're nineteen and sixteen. Even with those injuries, I don't think I'd ever put those two things together. I still think Florida is the national favorite, but it is I think amazing how we thought they were going to be a super team, and they're just not. And it's, and, it's, and there's reasons for it. It's mostly injuries. They're starting pitching, especially in Wits, and Whitson, we really, you know, is a real difference maker for them, or should have been in the rotation, because uh, they do they do have separation from other teams in terms of their power with Zanino and Tucker leading the country in home runs as a team.
1: Right, exactly, and this is going to be, uh, I think, a, a power hitters regional because it, their ballpark plays that way, and you've got Georgia Tech coming in here that has some power. Um, you know, certainly uh, they hit for a lot of power in Greensboro. They took advantage of that park's uh, hitter friendly conditions, and you know they can they can hurt you there with with uh, with Davies and um, you know Brandon Thomas can run into one, and Daniel Palco, of course. I mean, it's a uh, it's a it's a typical Georgia Tech power hitting team, and then you've got uh, college Charleston has a lot of home runs. Uh they've got I think three guys with double digit home runs with Marty Gant kind of being the the guy that really stirs their drink and uh but you know to me this Charleston team isn't just your your typical Charleston team where you think of a a home run hitting, you know, a team that's going to have to beach it um with with a lot of runs. This team has pretty good pitching too, John. I mean, I think they uh uh it's probably the best pitching staff in the SOCON statistically. I mean, um it's it's a they got some power arms on this staff. I think Christian Powell gives them a real chance to win that opener against Georgia Tech. It'll be a good duel between him and, and Buck Farmer. Um, so, you know, all, all three of those teams have power. Bethune-Cookman doesn't really – I mean, they're the one team that doesn't fit um, with those other teams offensively. But, uh, you know, Bethune-Cookman does have a, a quality number one starter, Ryan Gonzalez, who I think has a chance to at least, you know, make them competitive against Florida.
0: You know, the thing with Florida, I think that they have to ask going into this weekend, and Georgia Tech to a lesser extent. I like what you wrote in your regional preview about Georgia Tech. They're going on the road. The pressure's off. They're the underdog. This should be the loosest Georgia Tech team that we've seen in a long time in postseason. Um, they, to me, you got to throw a left-hander at Georgia Tech. I think they did beat Ken Emanuel during the year um in the ACC. I'm trying to think of other top lefties in the ACC. But between the fact that Thomas is better from the left side than the right, Kyle Ren, Paulka, uh, Davies, you know, Zane Evans, and, and Brandon Thomas, a switch hitter, and, and Sam Dove. Those are their three top right-handed bats. To me, their left-handed bats are a lot more fearsome. So if I'm Georgia, if I'm Florida, I have to imagine Kevin O'Sullivan knows this. I have to imagine he also trusts Brian Johnson. Right. Would you throw? Would you do you anticipate Johnson being used in that game? And maybe that this would start Hudson Randall on Friday, or do you think maybe they'll go Crawford? johnson and then have randall for the championship on sunday how do you think florida plays that and how do you think georgia tech lines up it's pitching
1: i think that's first of all a really good analysis i think you're right i think uh if you can throw a, a lefty, yet if you throw a lefty at georgia tech that probably improves your chances and even you look back at the the miami series the interesting thing though is that uh georgia tech uh, um, lost the two games the miami's lefty started um uh, Erickson and, and Ewing. But neither of those lefties really pitched deep into the game, so that wasn't really the, the biggest factor. Um, you know. So I, I don't know what that, would, what that means, but those, just thought those I'd guys throw that also, out there.
0: Those guys really aren't breaking ball guys. Those are, those are fastball change-up lefties, so I would almost think are better against right-handed hitters. That's a fair point, too, yeah. But, so you, you got to have a lefty with a breaking ball, and Brian Johnson does have a breaking ball. I'm wondering, to me, Georgia Tech's only chance of winning this regional is if they can beat how to Charleston with someone other than Buck Farmer cuz they need Buck Farmer to go deep in a game and in Ray Tanner's words battle for 9 innings to beat Florida. Yeah.
1: I don't know that if I'm Georgia Tech, I don't know that I feel comfortable saving Buck Farmer. I just I just think you have got a That's gotta, the problem. I mean, you, that first game is, you know, it's, it's if you don't win the first game, you're you're in trouble. And then same same with the second game. I understand that. I mean, you're in the same position if you lose the second game, but um, you know, you just can't look past College of Charleston. I think they're I think they're too dangerous uh, to not throw your ace against those guys. I think to me the
0: the the wild card for Georgia Tech is Jake Davies and Zane Evans. It's basically two of their X Factor arms are, are two way guys. So when do you deploy your two way guys so that you get the maximum value out of them as starting pitchers right. and not wear them out and still get something out of them as position players? For me, that way would really be to use them on Friday. That that would be my plan. But uh, Danny Hall knows his players way better than I do. But to me, that's the way they win: is that they get Davies and Evans and win that first game, and you have Buck Farmer. Hopefully, for your sake, you still have Alex Cruz and Johnny Holstaff on Saturday, and then and you go to your your deep freshman pitchers, your Cole Pitts, your Josh Hedinger's, those kind of guys on Sunday because um, in my mind, you really only get to use those two-way guys once on yep. the weekend on the mound realistically. And, you know, that's the whole problem for Georgia Tech. They, they've had pitcher injuries, and really their maybe their third and fourth best pitchers are two-way guys in in in, uh, in babies. I, I think Georgia Tech's dangerous in this regional. I think if they'd been sent elsewhere, I could have seen Georgia Tech continuing their hot streak of winning the ACC tournament. But I don't see it happening here. I see Florida winning this regional. How about you?
1: I feel the same way. You know, I'm, I'm sticking with the Gators. But uh, I think being able to throw Crawford in the first game, which I think they will. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then having Johnson or Randall, I think, depending on, on the matchup in the second game, uh, I, I agree with you. I would throw Johnson against Georgia Tech if that's who they play in the second game. And then, you know, you you close it out theoretically with Randall in the third game. You're, you're looking to – it just sets up really well for them. They're, they have so much pitching – and, and, again, I just think their bullpen is such a separator. we talked about it all year long, but the three guys, especially Larson um, and uh, Maddox and Rodriguez, it just gives them such a huge advantage over everybody else, it seems like.
0: I agree. On to regional number two, that's the Raleigh Regional. NC State, the one seed. Vanderbilt, the two seed. UNC Wilmington, the three seed. Sacred Heart, the four seed. Aaron, one interesting thing here is that you know UNCW plays up here a lot. Uh, the Seahawks. Mark Scaff went to Cary High. They recruit Cary High in the area very very effectively. I would say that Wilmington's recruiting base is really Wake County here in North Carolina, even though that's where NC State is. So this is going to be a homecoming for UNC Wilmington. And Just a month ago, or in the last month, we had Mike Fox complaining a little bit about the, how loud the UNC Wilmington fans were at his park, really criticizing his fans more than he certainly wasn't criticizing Wilmington's fans. Uh, Wilmington uh, they're interesting as a 3C because I think they are going to have a lot of fan support and a lot of players who probably grew up going to games at mm. Dale Park, uh, you know, Doak Field at Dale Park. Uh, but to me, I, I think that Wilmington is fairly dangerous here because they're balanced, but it just feels like NC State and Vanderbilt are a little bit too talented. To yeah. me, it's really a two-team regional.
1: I agree with you, and, and I'm intrigued by Wilmington. I am because I think they're – they're a nice balanced club. I think they've got some power. I really like their speed, which I think uh, you know is a little bit of an X factor in this regional. I mean, like NC State, you know, with NC State speed is mostly just Trey Turner, but um, you know those those two teams can beat you with the the running game. Um, and Wilmington likes its bullpen a lot. They can mix and match. They've got different slots. They've got all kinds of options back there, and, and kind of solid starters, but they don't have the power arms that Vanderbilt has in the uh, in the rotation or, or state has. Um, you know, you have to imagine that the, the kind of momentum that Vanderbilt's bringing into this thing, um, you know, they're, the key for Vanderbilt is the pitching. You know, if they keep pitching the way they have down the stretch, they're really, really, you know, capable of making a deep postseason run here. But um, the reason that I think I like NC State in this regional is because, you know, obviously they're... they're they're not going to have to use Radon in the first game. They're going to save him for the second game, and I think they could beat Sacred Heart um, with a number of different guys because I, I think Sacred Heart is one of the softer four seeds. I mean, there are only only two four seeds with losing records, and one of them is Sacred Heart. So that's a, a favorable draw for NC State. Uh, and so I think if you've got Radon going against Vanderbilt in the second game, theoretically, or Wilmington, whoever wins that one, um, then uh, then you're in the catbird seat.
0: Aaron, I, I don't think you could have said it better. Um, it's a mutual admiration society here on the Baseball America podcast. Uh, one of my favorite inside jokes at Baseball America, <laughs> but uh, but NC State really caught a break with Sacred Heart. I think you pointed that out well in your regional capsule because well, the, the one issue for the Wolfpack is who do you start as your third starter? You know, third starter, fourth starter all year has kind of been uh, you know a revolving door for them, and to me this is a regional where they probably only need two starters. Uh, they can probably save Ethan Ogburn for Sunday. And, and, you know, their track record has been with Elliot Avon and Tom Holliday together. A couple of years ago, they didn't even use Corey Mazzoni in a regional. They saved him mm-hmm. for the third game. He was their ace at the time. They will they will play the matchups. And I have a feeling you're going to see either a Logan Jernigan or a Vance Williams or one of their kind of, you know, starter-slash-reliever guys against Sacred Heart. And if they can jump out early in that game offensively on Sacred Heart, you might see NC State really try to preserve its pitching because they really, in my mind, they only have two pitchers they trust. There's Rodon, right. who is a man among boys, even as a freshman. And then they have Ethan Ogburn, who they've used in relief in the past and who started and has been quite consistent this year. Had a little hiccup mid-season. But generally, he 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 gives you seven innings and gives up three runs, and he's pretty consistent. He's a really solid. I, I think ideally Ethan Ogber would, would be your number three starter on a championship Omaha team. I think he's a solid number two for the kind of yeah. team State is. And and to me, I I you know that that fact makes me pick them in this regional because otherwise I would pick Vanderbilt. Uh, they're hot. I think they're e- equally talented in NC State. I think they're equally athletic. They may not have quite as much speed, uh, but they, we, they showed against Austin Maddox in the SEC tournament. When they need to steal a base, they can steal a base or they can steal six bases, as they did. Um, so you know, I, I really like this. I, I like this uh, Vanderbilt team. I, I think you have to give uh, tons of props to uh, A-Tech's own Tim Corbin uh, for the <laughs> job that he and his coaching staff did. Um, Aaron, what are the chances that, uh, that he keeps that coaching staff intact? There are a lot of coaching openings. Yeah. Josh, Josh Holliday and and, uh, and Derek Johnson are two of the more attractive assistant coaches in the country. I mean, there are very few assistant coaches, I think, that you and I think who evaluate talent better and who uh, have a track record like Josh Holliday. Got a big league brother, played in the College world Series as a player, switch-hitting catcher slash third baseman as a player. So he's he's seen the game from a number of different levels, grew up in the game with a coaching dad, and has been at NC State, Georgia Tech, Arizona State, Vanderbilt. He's been all over the country. Already at a young age, he's ready to go out. I mean, it's time to it's time to throw him out of the nest and let him fly on his own. And Derek Johnson's a pretty doggone good pitching coach. This might be the last hurrah for this group of Vanderbilt coaches as a as a group. Yeah,
1: yeah, and interesting that it'll come in Raleigh, where you know where Josh's yeah. father is, is an assistant coach. But um, it's uh, it's I agree with you. This is interesting Vanderbilt team you know and and like I said I think the key is, is how their arms perform because um, you know they do have more power arms than NC State does if you're comparing those two teams um, you know Selman and, and Verhagen and Beattie and you know Picararo, I mean all these guys uh, um, you've got four or five quality starting options if you need I think Vanderbilt is one team that can afford if they, if they happen to fall into the loser's bracket they can maybe still make a deep run through this thing I think if NC State falls into the loser's bracket I think they could be in trouble. Completely um,
0: agree. Completely but, agree.
1: But uh, you know, and when I look at these two teams in their, their lineups, um, I think that uh, I still think State just feels a little bit more dynamic offensively, and I think a big part of that is Turner. I mean, he's just such a difference maker. But Ryan Matthews has emerged as such a force in the middle of that lineup. I mean, it gives them some some real that power dimension and um, you know. Hashtag I think just, personal cheese That's right. John Manuel favorite Ryan Matthews. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I was just so struck watching state this week how how exciting they are. I mean, I think Chris Diaz is a really good player, shortstop. Doesn't yeah. get a, maybe a lot of attention nationally, but boy, he's a, he's a makes all plays at short and he's a good offensive player. Leads our team in hitting. He's just a he's just a, a really nice player. And and um, you know, Danny Canella, I've always liked Danny Canella since he. He was a freshman, just his, his pure hitting ability, and he's yep. got some pop. Yep. Uh, Jake Fincher is so exciting in center field. He's got a great arm that he showed off several times in Greensboro, I and mean, I just think it's uh, they've got a lot of difference makers on this team. That's what really strikes me about them.
0: They're really athletic, Aaron. Their athleticism separates them, uh, as a couple coaches told us, uh, in Greensboro. And uh, to me, for NC State, you know, this is a program that has not gotten to the Caldwell Series since 1968. Ray Tanner couldn't do it. Uh, if you're Elliott Avent and you want to put the Ray Tanner, I don't know if it's a ghost, but that the fact that Ray Tanner comes to Raleigh for hot stove banquets and gets a bigger ovation than Elliott Avent ever gets. <laughs> um, if they, you know, NC State is opening a Hall of Fame wing uh, this fall, and there's all this discussion about who's going to go in that Athletics Hall of Fame. I bet you Ray Tanner is going to get in there, and I bet you that Elliott Elliot Avent will not. But if Elliott Avent wants to get in there, and I, I, I think he probably would like to, He's been at NC State longer than Ray Tanner was as a head coach. He's got more wins than Ray Tanner had. He's really done a nice job. I think that's pretty. Been a pretty steady program. Get to Omaha. Ray Tanner never got to Omaha as a member, as the head coach of the Wolfpack. You take the Wolfpack to Omaha. I think Elliott Avent gets in the Hall of Fame at their opening. And I, I tell you, I think this is a team that can do it. They have to stay in the winners bracket. But I, I kind of want the country to see the athleticism and dynamism of this NC State freshman class, because they are fun to watch. Uh, yes, they're, they they're really fun, and they have speed, and they defend, and I think you hit the nail on the head with Chris Diaz. They just really, Aaron, to go to Omaha, they need one of their seniors or juniors, whether it's Andrew Sensen, Terrence Inay, one of those veteran hitters to get hot. Um, I'm not sure it's in there for them. It, you know, Andrew Sensen's been off a little bit all year. Terrence Dene hitting like 213 uh, even though he has five home runs. You know, Sensen has as few home runs as Turner. They both have four home runs. They need one of those veteran guys to get hot. If they do, I do think NC State is a, is a Omaha caliber team and uh, they are very fun to watch if only because Rodon and Turner are so good.
1: Uh,
0: Baseball America so, podcast with John and Aaron. I, who, who are you picking there, Aaron?
1: Uh, I'm taking the Wolf Pack and, and I guess since we're on this side of the bracket should we just go ahead and make a potential super regional matchup there too I'll take the Gators all the way to Omaha
0: I, I will as well and I'm also picking the Wolfpack very tempted by the Commodores uh you know it's kind of to me it's like a 60 40 bracket I guess I say 60 35 5 I would give the Seahawks a little 5% chance there because of their balance but uh yeah. yes I'm with you so we both have Florida and NC State uh moving on to regionals and then the Gators winning a Uh, super regional, and advancing OMA for the third time in three years, which if you're NC State's freshman class, as good as they are, I've said this before on local radio here, you want to point to a class that you want to be, look at Florida's freshman class, the junior class now. Aaron, they were the number one class in the country by acclamation. It was unanimous. Everyone, when you did your surveys that year, was so wowed by their freshman class, and those guys are trying to complete an amazing run of three straight Trips to the College World Series, and then they need to cap it off with a national championship. But if they do that, that's one of the epic classes yes. in college baseball history, isn't it?
1: I absolutely agree. I mean, they were, you know, they were in the, in the finals last year. They were in Omaha the year before, and if they can win it all this year, I agree with you. I think it'll go down as one of the greats because they're going to have a lot of high draft picks, too.
0: No doubt. No doubt about it. Let's move on to regional number three on the left side of the bracket. Number one seed Virginia. It's the Charlottesville regional. Number one seed Virginia. Number two seed, Oklahoma. Number three seed, Appalachian State. Number four, the Black Knights of the Hudson Army. Aaron, this is a little bit of an odd regional. You're going to – let's just compare four seeds. (laughs) You know, Mm. Sacred Heart, 25 and 30. Virginia, which its overall season compared to NC State's is not that different. They played a three-game series in Raleigh, highly contested. NC State won it two games to one. You know, I guess the other differences are that uh, Virginia maybe finished a little bit stronger. Uh, they got swept by Florida State. NC State went 1-2 and two at Florida State. Uh, Virginia went 2-1 and one in the ACC tournament. State went 1-2. and two. Those two teams aren't that different, but uh, Vanderbilt and Oklahoma, very comparable twos. UNC Wilmington and App State, comparable threes. But Sacred Heart and Army are not comparable fours. That's a tough and, bracket, I think, for Virginia.
1: And yet it's a little strange that NC State, who I, I agree with you, uh, I, I think had a better season than Virginia, gets paired with the number one national seed, yeah. whereas Virginia gets paired with the number eight, eight national, national seed. seed. I mean, that, that that to me was a head-scratcher. I really didn't understand that. That's a great um, point. That's a great didn't point. Didn't mention that the other in, the, in our first podcast, but especially, anyway. I,
0: especially because you have you know, if NCAA tournament committees that usually like storylines. Why would you not match up Ray Tanner and Elliot Avent, the last two right. coaches at NC State who've you know, coaches there for the last 25 27 years basically why don't you match them up that that really did not make any sense
1: maybe it was just a matter of trying to get some uh some new matchups i mean i i know that those two teams have been matched up before including in in the super regional in was it the super regional No, it was a regional back in i think it was
0: a regional north carolina north carolina and nc St- north carolina and south carolina had several super regionals in a row yeah. Uh, but yeah i don't think nc state and and, and south carolina have played in a in a super, super yet, so I re- I agree with you. I thought that state got the break in the first round, but not in the second round.
1: Right, um, and and I I think you're right. I think this is a this is a dangerous matchup for Virginia. I mean Army's got, um, you know, a couple of really quality, um, you know, pitchability guys that uh, that know what they're doing here. I mean this is uh you know they had this is a team that had uh, <laughs> um, they almost threw back to back no hitters if I recall It was very close yeah, to that. Yeah, that was very um, close. You know these these guys are. Uh, um, you know they're good. I mean they're they're not they don't blow you away. They don't have big arms on this staff, but I mean with with Chris Rowley and and I think that's who they will throw in the first game, and then Logan Lee, um you know gives them a nice one two punch there in the rotation. Um I like, uh, you know I, Army's dangerous. I mean their 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 lineup is uh again it's not going to blow you away, but I think they're pretty well built to to play in that ballpark. It's a it's team- is going to use the gaps and kind of manufacture offense and you know kind of like Virginia does. I mean, I think uh, I think Virginia to me is one of the most vulnerable to uh, number 1 seeds. I, I just uh, you know, I think they they overachieved a little bit this year. I mean, I like their team, but I don't I don't love their team. Um and uh you know, I, I think Oklahoma comes in here as a much more physical team. Um, and a team that has a lot bigger arms, first of all. I mean, that really jumps out to you is, is the, the caliber of arms here. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, you know Jonathan Gray's and the Stephen Okert's and you know even Dylan Overton and you know it's just a, I think it's just a better pitching staff. Um, even though the, the I like Virginia's bullpen, um, I probably trust Virginia's bullpen a little bit more than I trust Oklahoma's. But uh, but Okert has stabilized things for Oklahoma in the bullpen and 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 you know these two teams, of course. Matched up in, in super regionals two years ago, and the difference is Oklahoma has most of the key guys back from that team, and and Virginia doesn't. You know, it's a it's a whole new new group of players here. So Oklahoma has gone to Charlottesville before. All these guys, you know, they're not they're not afraid of, of UVA. That's for sure. They
0: they um, know where the they know where the subways are. They know where the right. uh they they know if they knew, if, where the McDonald's are. They're comfortable in Charlottesville more so than they might be in other settings. they they've, been, they've yeah. been here and they've done that.
1: And, and you know, Max White was there, and, you know, of course, Cody Wren had the, was a big hero in that Super Regional, and, um, you know, Caleb Bushyhead, and, you know, all these guys, uh, Eric Bushy Ross, did. I mean, Jack Mayfield, all these guys were, were on that team. Um, so I I like, I think I think Oklahoma's playing really well down the stretch. I think they have a lot of momentum, um, and, and I think they're the team that I like to win this Regional.
0: They're the favorite for me as well. Any chance that App? State has a chance to throw a wrench in this. I mean, we've seen App State uh, with the pitching they have. I can never remember their coach's name. Please tell me his name again. <laughs> <laughs> Pollard.
1: <laughs> Coach,
0: Pollard. Coach Pollard. I, I always want to call him Pritchett, but I know his name is Pollard now. But I mean, when I talked to him at the beginning of the year, you know, they said going to LSU and winning that series, you know, they had to capitalize on it, and and they did. You know, to get that large bid. At Appalachian State, it's pretty loud. Um, we yep. know this team can pitch. We know they've got uh, Kusev, Daniel Kusev, who can who provide some pop, um, even in that ballpark. They feel like a dangerous three-seat. To me, this feels like a pretty wide-open regional. I picked Oklahoma, but I think if you're Virginia and you want to win this regional, you need that Friday game for Oklahoma to be white knuckle and for them to use that bullpen. Um, I- I'm with you. I think Oklahoma's power arm is the separating factor. Uh, I also do wonder how Oklahoma defends the bunt. I don't know if you know that or not, because Virginia's going to bunt like crazy. They have 80 sacrifice bunts. They're almost like a Big West team in how they use the bunt, how often they bunt. Um, So Oklahoma better work. Oklahoma better work on its bunt defense because they're going to see it out of more than just Keith Worman.
1: Unfortunately for Oklahoma, they've got a really good defensive third baseman, Garrett Carey, and that's you know this guy's in the lineup every day and he's hitting 214. It's because he can really pick it at third base.
0: There you go. That's an important uh, important reason. It, to me, the other thing that uh, that that's a separator, uh, you know, is that outside of Steven Bruno, there's just not anybody else I really fear in that Virginia lineup. And Derek Fisher uh, certainly can lose one, Aaron, but he struck out more than 50 times. And kind of my, my cheese ball on that Virginia team, I kind of thought he'd have a little bit bigger year than he's had Is Brandon Cogswell, first of all, because his name reminds me of the Jetsons, Cogswell Cogs. <laughs> but second of all, he's you know, he's an athletic uh, lean body, middle infielder, I, I, left handed bat. I kind of like that guy. He showed me a pretty good swing when they came to Raleigh. He still gets some ABs here and there. He's got like 95 at bats for the year, but I thought he'd be a little bit bigger part of things for them down the stretch. But it feels like uh, they've backed up a little bit offensively. You know, Chris Turner and Jared King were their top offensive guys the first half of the year, and those two guys have kind of been in tailspins as the year's gone on.
1: Yeah, you're right. And, and uh, I think, I just think they're vulnerable. And the thing I worry about with Virginia is how the. You know, who are they going to throw in the first game? I mean, if you yeah. throw in the regional, you can't throw Brandon Klein in the first game. Um, and, you know, does that mean you throw Artie Lewicki? In that first game, I guess you probably do. That means you're going to have potentially Scott Silverstein starting a, you know, a bracket uh, third game. Yeah. And, and I, I sure don't – I mean, I sure don't trust him right now. I mean, the guy hasn't gone – more than three innings, it seems like, in, in weeks and it's uh it's it's his numbers are really bad down the stretch here.
0: There's a reason for that. He throws eighty three to eighty six and he doesn't have a plus secondary pitch. It's all guts and feel yeah. and touch. I really respect Scott Silverstein that I mean he came back from significant yes. shoulder surgery. Not trying to bang on him, but well I remember seeing him and thinking, How on earth is this guy getting anybody out? You know, it's uh and he got people out, more power to him. I think that I think, he's been figured out a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think Shane Halley is really, 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 really key to Virginia's whole postseason run. I think uh, that's a guy that is was out with uh, – I think it was a lat thing. I don't think it was a really serious thing, but um, he didn't pitch in the ACC tournament. Uh, he, they need him to come back because I think he's the guy that would need to start a, a third game for them.
0: I agree. Uh, I think we, uh, we've talked about this before, it feels like, but we're both picking Oklahoma, right? Yes, we are. Both thick in Oklahoma. On to the Columbia Regional, the Palmetto Apocalypse, number one seed, South Carolina, the number eight national seed, and uh, not not incidentally, the <laughs> two-time defending national champion. Uh, second seed, Clemson. Third seed, Coastal Carolina. And submarine, savant, Ryan Connolly. And <laughs> the fourth seed, Manhattan, the Jaspers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Cody, uh, I can't remember his name. Who was the ace? <laughs> Chris Cody. Chris Cody is not walking through that door for Manhattan. Who is?
1: Well, you know, this is uh this is a well-coached program first of all and they they it seems like every year they uh they they're one of the top teams in that league and this year they were again. They they uh went 18 and 6 in the MAC and uh <laughs> didn't, lose, didn't lose a game at home, but um you know, they uh, the the guy for them Who's really going to have to carry the load is is, is Taylor Suet. They're their number one starter. Went eleven and one. Um, you know, just a really uh, really nice competitive ace. that's I think can you know gives them at least a chance to to compete with South Carolina. I mean, um, you know, it's uh, he's he's a senior. He's been through it. Um, he doesn't. Ha- it's funny. He didn't have a huge track record of success before this year. I mean, this is really his his breakout season. But he's emerged. I think as their guy. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think I think Manhattan probably is. Uh, again, one of the teams that uh, um, doesn't have a whole lot of chance in this regional, I mean, uh, the way I see it. But, um, you know, they uh, they grind you a little bit. I mean, I think they, they battle hard, uh, so they'll fit right in in, in Ray Tanner <laughs> Regional. They battle.
0: They, but they have, I mean, like, I think you nailed They were 4-17 and at one point in the non-conference. They yeah. played three, four games at West Virginia. They won one. Uh, they got swept at high point. Probably didn't like the dugouts. Uh, <laughs> got swept in four games at Maryland. I like those
1: dugouts. Uh, high point.
0: They're cute, but they don't look particularly uh utilitarian.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh Florida Atlantic, they did steal a game at Florida Atlantic to at start of the year and they got swept at TCU. They've played good teams. They really haven't beaten good teams. Uh so it, it would be an upset if they won a game, but going from 4 and 17 to 33 and 20 whatever and 25 and making the postseason uh, kudos to the Jaspers. Is anybody gonna challenge South Carolina in this regional? Can Clemson or Coastal Carolina win this regional? Or is it gonna be kind of almost cathartic for South Carolina fans, just uh not cathartic, but uh is it gonna be the gleeful celebration I think Gamecock fans think it's gonna be?
1: Um, it's you know, it's hard to say. I you know, I I think I think South Carolina is the team to beat in this regional. I mean obviously they're the team to beat in college baseball. They're the two time defending national champions. Um but To I be the man
0: you gotta beat the man. No one's beaten right. the man yet
1: and then South Carolina has certainly had Clemson's number here for quite a while now if uh you know they've they've been um they've just had the better hand, upper hand in that rivalry lately and uh right now you know i mean i think get, again if you're South Carolina you probably throw um i guess you throw Colby Holmes in the first game against Manhattan i don't know i hadn't really thought this through and then
0: you can throw, you can start Jordan Montgomery i know he's backed up lately but uh, i mean yeah. you should be able to th- to beat Manhattan, if you're South Carolina with your midweek starter.
1: Right. I think you know,
0: I, know I, I know if the health of Forrest Kumis is up in the air, his availability is up in the air. They should be able to win this regional without him, it feels like.
1: I think that's true. Yeah. And so I mean, you know, if you've got Roth, regardless, you'll have Roth going in the second game. Um and uh, you know, I like Michael Roth has certainly shown that he can beat Clemson. That's one thing we know he can do. That's right. Okay. <laughs> um but, you know, Coastal Carolina to me is a little bit of an X factor here because I just think with those two Submariners, and that's how they won their, their conference tournament is Ryan Conley and Aaron Burke. I mean they have two Submariners that both went in there and, and earned the win and relief in all four of those games. You know? Aaron so, Burke. Sorry. It uh, <laughs>
0: just sounds I like mean, Aaron Burr. sounds like you should say Aaron Burke's name as if you, as if your mouth is full of peanut butter.
1: I'll consider that <laughs> okay. next time.
0: Make it so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, you know, but I don't think this is – Best team. I don't think they, um, their lineup compares with those other teams with South Carolina and Clemson's lineup. Um, you know, I, I think Clemson is, is a factor here. I mean, uh, you know, I think you, you probably uh, have already written them off. I know you're not a Clemson guy. You don't really believe in this team. Is that fair to say?
0: It's fair to say. I don't believe in the pants, and I don't believe in this team. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Clemson cut pants. Let's put it that I, I'm a fan of how Clemson and Vanderbilt are fans of the Clemson cut pants. I respect that they like the Clemson cut pants, and I respect Kevin O'Sullivan even more for not bringing the Clemson cut pants with the Gators. I think that took some that, that, that took some guts to really step out from the Clemson mold and not use those Clemson cut pants. But
1: it's been a while since we've had a Clemson cut pants discussion here in the <laughs> podcast. I'm glad you, uh, glad you brought that up.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. But I guess the thing is uh-uh. to me is that you know Clemson has not. No one has come through. They're, they have lots of players who are pretty good. But no one's come through to give Richie Schaefer that compliment in the lineup. He's been walked 58 times, Aaron. Mm. And, uh, you know, that should be they, – they, it feels like they should be a more offensive team than they are. And uh, that's my concern is I didn't expect them to be this great pitching team this year because they seem like they are they run out a parade of 5'10 to one right right-handed pitchers who are 88 at 91 with a decent breaking ball. They do a nice job teaching the cutter. But, you know, outside of Steve Wilkinson, who's kind of been a – a good contributor. They steal some bases. They, they just don't do much for me offensively. I, I thought we'd have a bigger year out of Spencer Keyboom. I thought we'd have a bigger year out of Phil Pohl. It just really kind of hasn't happened. They just, they just a bunch of decent players, and they're just yeah. not a difference maker after Richie Schaefer on the mound or in the lineup. I just don't think he's enough by himself.
1: But I think there are a number of teams that you look at them, you know, and in, and in, in, in this in this field of 64 that. Have really good teams, you, you can say the same thing. They I mean, just look like a bunch of decent players. I mean, that's uh that's my same read when it comes to Oregon or, or Cal State Fullerton. Well, see, like, I,
0: think, I think North Carolina State and Clemson are pretty similar teams, Um, but Carolina, NC State has Rodon and Turner, Yeah. and Clemson has Schaefer. You know, Schaefer's not as – he might be a little bit better player than Turner right now, but he's not as dynamic, right. and they haven't anyone close to Rodon. Just comparing them in their own league. They're not too dissimilar from Florida State. I would say Florida State's infield defense is better, and they have Ramsey, and they have Ben and Casa in the bullpen, who's a separator. Just comparing them in their own league, they really they just don't have – every other team, these teams at the top of the ACC had two or three stars. You know, North Carolina is kind of similar to Clemson, but they have Emmanuel, they have Morin, and they have Moran. That's You know, they have yeah. three. Um, I would say that they have—they have they have three stars, like a good hockey game. I'd say they're the best team. Out of these teams we're talking about, but Clemson has Schaefer, and then there's no other real separator for them. So I, right. You know, again, uh, South Carolina has several: Roth, Price, now that he's back in the bullpen, Walker. I w- you could even put Marzilli in that. In that. Sure. Because the other thing for to me for South Carolina, both Coastal Carolina, which is more aggressive and has a long history under Gary Gilmore of stealing a ton of bases, and Clemson, which has no one guy, but they don't have four or five guys who run pretty efficiently, even Schaefer, who steal a lot of bases, 10, 11 bases, and steal efficiently. Uh, it's going to be tough for either of those teams to run on Grayson Griner. He had the right. yips early uh, where he had a hard time getting the ball back to the pitcher. He's really become very effective at shutting down opposing running games. Uh, it seems like Jerry Myers and his pitching staff do a great job of that at South Carolina. They just don't seem like they have an obvious flaw uh, other than their infield defense, I think, can be a little iffy, Aaron.
1: Yeah, and and Griner's thrown out uh, 44% of of base stealers, um, you know, which just shows you. I mean, this guy's got arm strength. I saw him. I watched one of those games on TV last weekend and and Hoover and saw him gun somebody down, and uh, it was just a rifle, you know. I mean, he's a he's a he's a he's a good player, you know. And they they knew he was going to be, and, and he has delivered on that. He's also got some power in there and a and, knack and for some clutch hits. I mean he hasn't hit for much average this year, but uh, um you know so you look at South Carolina stats and it's. Offensively, it's not very impressive. I mean, they're hitting uh, 271 as a team. I mean, um, but uh, you know, they're they're the Gamecocks. You know, they have that swagger. They 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 really do. They battle, um, and uh, you know, and and I just think that they have they have the mystique. I don't know. I just I believe in this team, this program, this coaching staff, and 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 the veterans who've won two national championships: Walker and Marzilli and Roth and Price, especially.
0: I think we're both picking the Gamecocks. Yes, Gamecocks. Sooners, I'm picking the Gamecocks in that Super Regional matchup.
1: Yeah, I can't pick. I can't pick against the Gamecocks until, uh, until further, until later. We'll, we'll see if I pick against them later.
0: <laughs> uh, we will see. Uh, Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Uh, on to Regional Number Five, the Eugene Regional, which is really uh, a neat thing to say uh, that we have a regional in Eugene, Oregon. When for most of our two tenures at Baseball America there was no baseball college baseball in Eugene Oregon uh but this how is about, the Georgia,
1: this, go ahead how about a, how about regionals in Eugene and Gary uh matched up with each other <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is that is awesome i think that's a dave Kylitz uh dave Kylitz wakes up with a smile on his face when he dreams about that there's no fly in that ointment Aaron. and that's uh Oregon <laughs> so you get the Auggie, sons of augie uh regional in Eugene, Oregon, the one seed Fullerton the 2, Indiana State the 3, Austin P the 4. Uh I know that all the storylines here have to do with Oregon and Fulton. Obviously we'll talk about those teams. What can you tell us what are the chances of an Austin P or an Indiana State emerging out of this regional? Slim, none, next to none. What do you what do you have?
1: No, I think it's possible. I this this regional to me is fascinating. I think it's one of the more wide open regionals, um, because you know I think Austin Peay is actually a, a dangerous four seed. You know this team, uh, they were in a regional last year. I think they were in the regional championship last year. They I were.
0: That's right. Uh, against the Mississippi State in Atlanta. Great call. Right.
1: Exactly. And so, and they've got a bunch of those veterans are back from that team. You know, the I really like the uh, the Greg Bachmans and Jordan Hankinses and you know Reed Harper, shortstops, a, a, an exciting player. They've got some speed in the outfield with Cody Hudson, Michael Blanchard. Um, you know, it's a bunch of uh, experienced guys in the lineup. Uh, um, and then on the mound, you've got a, a, a nice ace in, in Zach Tony. Um But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I trust the rest of the pitching staff. But, uh, you know, they've got a couple of junior college guys who have done a nice job in that rotation. Um, but, you know, I, I like the fact that they've got uh, um, a bullpen anchor they can really trust. And he's a submariner, John. He's a really low-slot guy, Ty- Tyler Rogers. I wrote him up last um,
0: year in the draft. I'm pretty sure I, I like that guy.
1: You're all over them, so I mean, um, I think he, uh, I think that they have a chance to win that first game with Tony and, and Rogers. Um, I don't know that they have the pitching to, to come out of this regional. I mean, they're this is a, I do think they have maybe the best offensive team in this regional, believe it or not. But I believe, but, it. but uh, you know, they're they're a home run hitting team. They've got 60, which is I think among the national leaders, and uh, this ballpark doesn't play to their strengths.
0: That's the issue for me. Is I just don't think they've seen Pac-10 pitching, OVC yeah. pitching, and Pac. Twelve pitching a little bit different animals indiana state meanwhile Aaron. and this is a team that uh, correct me if i'm wrong they they were the regular season champion in the missouri valley were they not
1: they were by by a half game over missouri state and uh you know and i think they're a they're a nice balanced team i mean kind of like fullerton and oregon they they um they've got some grinders i think they've got one of the, the better offensive players with well, better all-around players in this whole regional with jeremy lucas the catcher uh who's the leading hitter and also is their leading home run hitter and does a good job behind the plate. Just a uh, just a, a really good player and, and a difference maker. We were talking about that before with those yep. other regionals. This guy's a difference maker, and so is Dakota Bacchus, You know, the number one starter. Um, you know, he's he's got uh, better stuff than the other st- number one starters in this regional. I mean, he'll he'll get up there 92, 93, which you won't see from certainly Alex Cadell or Dylan Floro. Um, so, so you know, and then he competes and throws strikes and really. Uh, Really gives them a chance. to, I think upset Fullerton in that first game. I'm—I'm
0: I'm just going to admit I'm—I'm I'm a real big Rick Heller fan. Coached at Indiana yeah. State. I thought he did a really nice job at Northern Iowa. That program got taken eliminated. That kind of rug pulled out from under him. The timing ended up being fortuitous for him. That Lindsey Megs did a nice job building a, a foundation at Indiana State. Um, then he went to UW, and Heller got the job at Indiana State. Kind of built on what was there. Has taken that next step. They're they're a really really neat story. That seems like a dangerous team, Aaron. Um, and to me, the thing is, the dangerous is that Oregon and Fullerton they beat teams by executing, not by out athleting them. Right. Those two teams, as you pointed out last week, are just so similar. Uh, I don't even know if you could have a favorite because Fullerton. I, I think if you wanted to go somewhere, if you are Fullerton, if you had to go on the road, you wanted to go to a park that played big. Where home runs and power weren't a factor, because that's how yeah. JD Davis. They don't have any power. It's it's all dink dunk, uh, bunts, hit and run, pushing it, and playing West Coast ball, isn't it?
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. And and you know it's uh it's gonna be so fun if they do get to play Fullerton. You know just to see those two teams um, engage in a chess match. You know Horton and, 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 and if Vandenberg.
0: I were if I were ESPN, I would pay Augie a lot of money to go be the color analyst of that game. I guess they hired Dave Serrano to be a studio yeah.
1: analyst. There you go. Yeah. And it
0: sends Coach Serrano out to Eugene to watch players he recruited and also the coaches that he used to work for and with uh, play against each other. That would just be the insight that you would get there. Uh, would be pretty awesome if you could uh, give Dave some truth serum so that he would make sure that he didn't hold anything back. You know, yeah, <laughs> you, maybe yeah. you wouldn't want to describe what a team is doing because your Tennessee team would be doing it. So, uh, I would love to get inside the heads of those coaches and he, and really watch the game uh, with a guy who used to coach Fullerton and knows what those guys are all about and really just get the cat and mouse, you know, the X's right. and O's that you usually don't talk about in baseball.
1: And and the thing that gives me a little bit of concern with both of these teams is that I don't know how much I trust the pitching after their number one guys. You know, I mean, we've talked before about how freshman pitchers often hit the wall and, and Fullerton's got two in a rotation behind Floro with Graham Weist and, and Kenny Matthews. And I think Matthews pitched really well last week against Long Beach. Uh and Wiest didn't pitch as well but uh and Oregon also has uh, you know a freshman and is this number two guy in Jake Reed. Yeah. Um and, uh, and you know and Oregon's number three spot has been an issue for them all year long. Um, so, you know, the, the, the key for me is I think I, I trust Oregon's bullpen a little bit more. I think, I think, uh, with, with Tommy Thorpe and Jimmy Sherfy back there in particular, those two guys, I think those are the two guys they rely on in that bullpen. And I think both those guys are pretty trustworthy. They can, they can shorten games a little bit.
0: I'm just, I'm just stunned looking at Fullerton stats and just seeing how few guys they walk all year. What amazing, yeah. who, who's their pitching coach this year?
1: It's Kirk Sarlo's. He's done a really good job.
0: Holy cow. Kirk Sarlo's! you kidding me? How did I not know that? That's just awesome. I think I'm actually following Kirk on Twitter, so I don't know how I whiffed on that, but what an amazing job. They have 100 walks and in 480 innings. That's just uh, – with amateur pitchers, I don't care how hard or how not hard they throw, that's pretty impressive. And, and if you uh,
1: and if you compare that with Oregon, it has 218 walks and in 531 innings. You've, got more than twice as many walks. Uh that could be a real difference maker.
0: It could be. And also the Oregon offense seems like they kind of are predicated on taking a dose, the walk, bunting. I know they're a little bit more aggressive offensively than maybe they've been in past years, but something's gonna have to give there, Aaron. I picked Oregon to win this regional. Now you've almost talked me into the, tr- the the Titans. I think I'm I think I'm switching my pick and picking the Titans. <laughs> you so yeah, you said
1: this is the, this is one of the regionals that I've got a bunch of crossouts on my on my sheet here. I, I think I've flip flopped on this one about eight times because at one point I even I even thought about taking Indiana State because I think Indiana State's pitching um, depth is is uh, is an asset in this regional in addition to the other things we talked about. But um, but you know I I think. Uh, I think I like the Titans, too. I mean, it's uh, for the reasons we talked about. I mean, I just think the fact that – you're right. The fact that they throw strikes, that's the key to their whole their whole deal this year is they really pound the strike zone. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's going to be hard for, for Oregon necessarily to manufacture offense against a team like that because Oregon uh, – Fullerton does play good in field defense. Uh, they're fielding 975. And, uh, you know, Oregon's doing even better. They're fielding 980. So, yeah, I mean, it's they,
0: unbelievable.
1: Neither of these teams are going to give you anything. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, this, is a, this is a coin toss for me. Uh, all right, forget four,
0: it. I'm going back to the Ducks. You can have the Titans. I'll go, We need to have some different picks here. I'm going to pick the Ducks because I am a – Ryan Healy is on that personal cheese ball list as well.
1: So I've
0: got to stick with Ryan Healy.
1: You know what? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the, the team I've got written down here on my on my sheet officially is Oregon. That's what I, I have written down. <laughs> and I, have, I have right now. Actually, I have bullpen written down. I just I think that the I think that Thorpe and and, and Sherfy group is is nice. But you know I I I uh, I'm going to jump back set up to enough. this one. All right,
0: let's come back to this one. I think we've explained to you that regional number five, the Eugene regional, is up in the air. Up in the air. It's up in the air. Um, let's go to the Gary regional. Another phrase we never thought we'd say. The Gary Indiana regional, home of the Rail Cats. That's the home of Purdue. It's the home of the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue the one seed, Kentucky the two seed, Kent State the three seed, Valpo the four seed. We can stop making jokes about the Cubs and Purdue being linked, joined at the hip. We have to take down our Purdue media guy from the mid-80s that has the (laughs) Boilermaker with a giant head running down to first base and then taped up next to it the doppelganger of the Purdue Boilermaker, Alan Dykstra. Um, We can take that down now. We can retire that. Purdue is for real, Aaron. They've shown it all year. If you're going to be the best team, if you're going to be a a number one seed of the Big Ten, dominate the Big Ten, they did. Play a challenging non-conference schedule, they did. Win those games. Memo to Michigan State, win those games. Um, If you're going to go on the road, go on the road right. They went to UCLA and won a game. Almost got swept. The the Scott Griggs uh, blow up there. But they were very competitive in that series. Uh, I thought Purdue earned a number one seed. They certainly earned being a regional host. They're a great story in college baseball. They got a tough regional, Aaron, with Kentucky as a two seed. Arguably could have been a one, should have been a one. I would say more like could have been. I think it's very close between Miami, Kentucky, Mississippi State. We talked about that on, on I don't Monday. think it's
1: close at all. I don't think Miami has any business being in that conversation, but that's we've discussed that already. You're probably, <laughs>
0: you're probably right about that. I think they're in the conversation, but I think that they're third in that conversation. But Kent yeah. State, very dangerous team, Aaron. Uh, let's, first off, let's get a shout out to Valpo. They haven't been to regionals since the late 1960s. Tracy Woodson, who went to NC State, now they uh, went to the big, played in the big leagues. Now the head coach of Valpo, pretty nice feather in your cap if you're Tracy Woodson. For two years in a row, uh, second or third round pick, whatever Kyle Goodell was last year, and now this year you get the regionals. Uh, this is a program that's trending up.
1: Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, you know, I had a chance last year when they came out to the West Coast to see those guys. And you know, I like the, I like the, uh, I like the way they played. You know, they just uh, you can tell that the, uh, you know, he's gotten them, um, you know, to to buy into what he's trying to do out there. And you know, they, uh, um, I think they've got a nice offense. I think they uh, they've got some balance in that offense, one through nine. I think they can execute and you know, put the bat on the ball, and they can run a little bit. Um, on the mound, uh, you know, you're looking at the you know, It's a solid three-man rotation. I mean, three guys: Kevin Wild and, and Tyler Dejan uh, and, and Kyle Wormington. Um, you know, who, who've had really solid years for them. I mean, this team—they've got some arms. I mean, they're going to—they're going to compete in this regional. But um, you know, at the same time, you, you certainly—they've got their work cut out for them because this is a <laughs> boy. This is a tough regional. I mean, these are these are three really good teams in addition to Valpo.
0: Aaron, I'm—I'm going to give something away right now. I picked Kent State to win this regional. And yeah. I like Purdue and I like Kentucky, but I picked Kent State. Uh, I, I'll tell you why I'm gonna. But you tell people a little bit. You know a little bit more about this team. I'm basically picking them for their pitching and for the the you know the fact that they've they've been battle tested. They were good in the regional, Was it last year, or the year before, in down in Austin.
1: It was last year, yeah. And they've been these seniors. Are, this is their fourth straight regional. You know, so you, this you made a is...
0: great case about that in a in a uh, g- uh, three strikes one Monday. About how successful this, was it their senior class, right? Had
1: been. That's right.
0: At yeah. Kent State, and it, it's pretty epic how good this class
1: has been. Absolutely, it has been, and and you know I think the fact that they've got kind of like you know like a poor man's version of Florida, if you want. I mean, uh, they've got uh, key guys at skill position players. David Lyon behind the plate, um, who's one of their best players. I mean, does a great job handling that pitching staff. He's got some power. I mean, he's you know if you want to call him the poor man's Mike Zadino, you can. Sure. Um, and then. And then Jimmy Ryder, I mean, the a guy that, that Scott Strickland compares to. He might have used the phrase "poor man's Nolan Fontana." I mean, he's, he did. He's uh, he's that kind of player. He's really steady defender and undersized, but just uh, just does a lot of good things for you. And and, and you know, this team uh, um, has the, the key. Of course, is they've got uh, a number one guy and David Starn, a left-hander that I think can beat Kentucky. And um, I think he will be Kentucky. I think David Starn is going to go in there and, and win that opener, uh, which is why I'm taking Purdue to win the regional because I think, um, you know, Purdue. First of all, if they if they have to play Kentucky, I think they match up well with them because they've they've got a you know most of their key guys are right-handed hitters. I and mean, they have some lefties in there too, but um, you know Kentucky's key arms are, are lefties. So and 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 I think that uh, um, you know with Kentucky out of the way um if Purdue wins that opener I, I i think i think they'll be in good shape i wonder what they're going to do with their pitching you know if they're going to start Connor Podcole in the first game or um or just go with the Hayes or a Breedlove um but if they can save Hayes and Breedlove for the next couple of games then i think it sets up well for them
0: i agree i, I think uh I, I to me the reason i pick Kent state is that i do believe in purdue i think they're quite good um there's not a lot of real weaknesses other than they don't have a power arm at the front of that rotation um but to me, I did think that Starn could beat Kentucky. And I thought that, uh, you know, Scott Strickland's the, the team is defensive-oriented. They're a very good defensive team. Well, not very good. They're a good defensive team. But looks like on paper they have enough pitching depth. Reading what you've written about them all year, so they have enough pitching depth uh, and just enough offense. Uh, just, just for uh, comparison's sake, you talk about Jimmy Ryder. You know, Mike Zanino led the SEC with 23 doubles, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Ryder's got – no, he has 27 doubles. He's second in the country. knows tied for second in the country with 27 doubles. He led the SEC in league play with 13. Those are all the numbers in my head. Jimmy Ryder's right behind him with 26. Yeah. I mean, they have – it just feels like Kent State's a deep – I like the senior-laden thing. I, I like that. They've got a lot of guys with their man strength. Uh, I wanted to pick an upset somewhere. Um, I, I wanted to pick Purdue going in. I, I would love to see Purdue – Uh, I'd love to see a Big Ten team get to Omaha. Uh, I think it would be good for college baseball. Uh, But I wound up picking Kent State, but you're picking Purdue. And then we still got to decide – I'm putting you on the line right now. Oregon – who am I writing on the line, Aaron? Oregon or Cal State Fullerton? I am writing Oregon on my line.
1: All right, I'm taking Cal State Fullerton.
0: All right. So then you're looking at a Cal State Fullerton versus Purdue uh, super regional. I presume that would be in Gary or somewhere thereabouts, right?
1: It could go either way, I think. I mean, I think both those teams – well, I guess it would be Gary because they hosted. Um make makes one. sense. They're I mean, one seed, so yeah.
0: you got to wonder uh, – might be something to check on is to see if Purdue has <laughs> plans to host a Super – if uh, if they can even host a Super Regional. Um, I would have Kent State at Oregon. So in that case, I'm picking Oregon to get to Omaha. Who are you picking, the Titans or the Boilers?
1: This is the year, John. I'm going to take the Boilermakers.
0: Wow. Upset city. I don't even like Jim Delaney, but I would like for that to happen for the Big Ten. I think it'd be good for college baseball if the Big Ten cared about college baseball. And I think the league is trying to care, but as usual, they're trying to care in their own way. It's a very yeah. a Big Ten kind of thing to do. We got to speed up the pace here. Aaron. What a shock! We're taking too long talking about college baseball here on right. the Baseball America podcast. We're at the 57-minute mark of this phone call, and let's go right to the Houston Regional. Rice, Arkansas, Sam Houston, Prairie View, Prairie View A and M, TFco. Aaron, thanks for coming out.
1: It doesn't seem like, yeah,
0: it doesn't feel like Prairie View has a shot to win a game in this region.
1: I I don't think so. I just think they're they're going to be overmatched. I mean, these are, um, you know, these are just the competition is too strong. I mean, I think Prairie View. Um, as usual, you know the one thing that they've got really going for them, I think, is, is they can um, they can beat you with the speed a little bit, but they're not even one of the one of the real speediest teams in, in the, coming out of the SWAC. I mean, it's not like a uh, you know Jackson State that really can drive you mad with the speed. So um, you know, I, I think I think Rice wins that game. Um, I don't know who they throw in the opener. I mean, maybe maybe an Andrew Banach, um, but uh, you know you've got Reckling probably for a game two against Arkansas or Sam Houston. Um, and, you know, I just think it, again, having a manageable number four seed probably sets it up pretty well for Rice. Um, so I, I like the owls in this thing. I mean, I think it's very, very compelling um, because I think Arkansas also has very, very similar pitching. The one thing, one thing I'm a little bit worried with Arkansas was I feel like Ryan Stanek was a little banged up down the stretch and wasn't as dominant, certainly, as he was earlier in the year. Um, so they're going to start Baxendale in their opener against Sam Houston State. Uh, Bearcats could win that game. I mean, Bearcats have beaten some teams this year. You know, they've got some quality wins. They've got they've got some you know, three quality guys in the rotation that they like. Um, but uh, you know, and a good bullpen and, and, uh, and a solid lineup. I mean, they're just a solid team. But Arkansas still strikes me as a team that I could see getting to Omaha. I can see them winning this regional. I could see them winning a super regional because I I still like their talent. I like their pitching depth. Um, you know, I think both Rice and Arkansas have really good bullpens. I think Rice has one of the very best bullpens out there. I think it compares with Florida's and, you know, North Carolina's and some of these other teams we've talked about. Uh, so for me, that's still the difference maker. I'm, I'm taking Rice.
0: I picked Arkansas for a lot of the reasons you just said. Even though Stanek has been down lately, boy D.J. Baxendale got a terrible start. He may not be drafted too well, but he's pitched quite well the last month, six weeks of the year. Um, I thought getting Baxendale back, uh, the fact that, you know, like, like you wrote about like a month and a half ago, Arkansas still doesn't have that identity. Um, this is their last shot at that. I just feel like they're too talented. Uh, I feel like they measure up talent-wise with Rice very well. It doesn't feel, Aaron, to me like either of these teams has really hit on all cylinders this year.
1: Um, is
0: that is that yeah. fair? Is that a fair statement?
1: I mean, I guess so. I mean, Rice, I feel like has had a really nice year, but they haven't. Uh, offensively, I guess they haven't really hit their their stride completely, so I guess that's fair to say. I mean, you know, I think Michael Rattery has come on a little better down the stretch, but he's still hitting just 231. I mean, he's a key player for them going forward in the postseason. They need to get more consistent production out of him, like they got at times down the stretch. Um, But, uh, you know, this team their their offensive numbers don't don't frighten anybody but I do like the fact that I think Christian Stringer and, and Ford Steinbach um are are good middle guys that make things happen and uh, you know are kind of spark plugs for them um this team plays very good defense and and I do like their pitching a lot I think uh, you know Austin Kibitza has become much more consistent in the second half of the year um the one thing that they don't have is a lot of left-handed pitching but they do have Taylor Wall who's gotten a lot better against lefties than he used to be and this was a guy that used to um you know be more effective against right-handed pitchers because he's right. a fastball change-up guy, but he's developed a good little slider. Um, I think that's a key development for them.
0: It's very close. It was a tough call for me. I went ahead and picked the Razorbacks. You're picking Rice. In the last regional bracket on that left side, Baylor, the one-seeds are the Waco Regional, Baylor, Te- Dallas Baptist, Texas Arlington, and Oral Roberts, um, three faith-based org- uh, institutions, and then Texas Arlington which is a hot team here, really, Aaron. In uh, fact, Starlington won seven in a row, uh, including winning the uh, Southland tournament to end the season. He got DBU that won a regional on the road last year, battle-tested. Oral Roberts, which has been going to regionals every year since, uh, I-, I think since uh, since Oral Roberts himself passed away, the founder <laughs> of the school. And they've been going to, to regionals for a long time at Oral Roberts. Uh, but Baylor still feels like I don't see, like like, to them – Oklahoma is to Baylor as Miami is to North Carolina this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma is Baylor's kryptonite. They have 14 losses all year, and five of them are to Oklahoma, right?
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny because Clemson is like that for Florida State. I mean, there's some teams that just have the other uh, other teams' numbers.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, So I don't see Oklahoma in this regional. So while I really have quite a bit of regard for the other three teams, uh, you know, DBU just being consistent, Arlington, what they've done getting hot, and the talent they have, what's his name, Preston Beck, He's yeah, the best. He's player. the best hitter in this regional, is he not?
1: Yeah, he might be. I think that's a good point. He's, he's dangerous. I mean, he's in, in, on a short list with uh, you know Josh Lutier, Max Muncie come to mind for uh, for Baylor.
0: But uh, to me, this is Baylor's regional to win, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be a walk. I'd be surprised if they lose a game in this regional.
1: I think I feel the same way. I think they're the most complete team here. Uh, I will say that you got to watch out for the Mavericks, like you mentioned, of, of Texas Arlington. I mean, look at some of these midweek games they've won this year, John. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Baylor. They beat they beat TCU. They beat Texas A&M. I mean, this is a, it's a team that has played quality competition and done okay. They also lost a couple of games to Dallas Baptist. Um, so there's a you know that head-to-head factor, but um, this is a you know they're 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 a, like you said, they've got some you know, they've got that one difference maker with Preston Beck. I think they're they could cause some trouble for people in this regional. But the other thing is I think Oral Roberts is a little bit of a trap game, um because Oral Roberts it's a trap. Uh Oral Roberts uh, does have arms. I mean that's one thing that they've really got going for him. I remember when I saw them at, at Cal State Fullerton earlier this year, um, you know, the uh, Rob Walton thought they could be dangerous if they got into a regional with, with Drew Bowen and Alice Gonzalez and Kurt Giller, especially those three guys. Have have power stuff. I mean, those guys can bring it. They've uh, got more power stuff than, than, than Baylor's going to throw at them. You know, and 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 Oral Roberts has uh, has some power in their lineup too, with Jared Schleyhuber Huber, and, uh, and no, Jose Trevino, and, and Cam Schiller. I mean, those are three guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. So um, Oral Roberts is a, is a factor here.
0: I think I think those are all good teams. I think Baylor has been so consistent; it would be shocking to see the Bears just crash and burn in a home regional. Certainly has yeah. happened before. <laughs> but it will be shocking to see it happen and, with this team.
1: And I should we should mention Dallas Baptist too because I know we're trying to pick up the pace. But I mean, this team was in Super Regionals last year, um, you know, and, and they've got a bunch of those guys back. I mean, not not a, a lot. They lost a lot of their key guys, but they do have you know Austin Elkins and you know Brandon Anderson and these guys. Uh, um Ryan Bemanish it, it kind of hurt them when he was out for a little while this season, but I think he's back now and and uh, he, he's. Been their best hitter really when he's been healthy. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, they've got some arms there. I mean, it's it's not big arms, but they're they're guys that know how to win and compete. Um, they're they're you know again the fact that they won a regional last year means you got to take them seriously.
0: I, I agree. Um, so, but we're both picking Baylor, correct? Yes. So I have Baylor hosting Arkansas in a super. You have Baylor hosting Rice. Where's your pick there in this uh, super regional matchup,
1: John? I like the Owls. Um, I just think they have superior arms and uh, I think they are good enough to to shut down Baylor's offense as good as Baylor's offense is and and I think it's it's good. Uh very good. I uh, I think Rice can can shut them down and and manufacture enough runs against the you know the Turtles and the Blanks.
0: I would have Baylor against Arkansas. I would be picking the Bears. I guess I'm going chalk on the bracket for me here and I have Baylor, Oregon, South CAC, and Florida in Omaha. Mm. You have Rice, Purdue, South Carolina, and Florida, correct? That's right. So do you have one in that side of the bracket, the Gators?
1: The Gators. I, uh, I'm sticking with my preseason pick. Bring on the hate mail, South Carolina fans. <laughs> I wouldn't say that if I were you. <laughs> no, don't bring it on, please. Seriously, I have all kinds of respect for the Gamecocks. Please, I don't need to hear from you.
0: <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm picking the Gators as well on that side of the bracket. I would actually rank it Florida- South Carolina, Baylor, Oregon. Uh, if I'm ranking my side of the bracket, I'm thinking you would go Florida, South Carolina, Rice, Purdue. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where I'm. That, that, that's where we have to leave this podcast. We're gonna have to do a second part of the podcast, Aaron, because uh, we just have too much fun talking about it, and you've got a chat to do and all kinds of things. We're, we're not
1: capable of. We're not capable of knocking out an entire 64 team thing in, in, in an hour. It's just not possible. We're
0: physically incapable of doing <laughs> it. I completely agree, and we tried. I, I okay. thought we tried, but uh, great stuff. It's just so much fun talking college baseball. We want to remind people this Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by Atech, the baseball training machine company. At Atech, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit atechsports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coaches Tim Corbin and more on a Atech win every practice. Aaron, have you decided which regional you're going to, Los Angeles or Eugene?
1: I'm going to Los Angeles, staying local this week, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes as far as a super regional plan.
0: I like that plan. I will be bouncing back and forth between Raleigh and Chapel Hill. We'll have interns and Jim Shonard covering every game at those regionals. You'll be in Westwood. We'll have, uh, Michael Lemaire, esteemed alumnus of our intern program, uh, on the farm at Stanford. I like using all these stupid nicknames of these colleges, uh, half of their campuses. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And we'll come back on the next Baseball America College podcast, breaking down the right side of the bracket. And later this week, draft, uh, a draft podcast, myself, Nathan Rohde, Connor Glassy, and Jim Callis will make picks that we think the team should do in the first round of the 2012 draft. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time.